Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. This week, we have a super phenomenal guest. But before we get to that, just as always, if you guys want to check me out on any social media platform, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. I'm probably on there. I also have a Discord, but the easiest way down in the show notes, I'll have a link tree where you guys can just click all of that and you can find everything. You can even support the show if you'd like. But the easiest and the free way to support this show is to share this podcast with a friend you think would enjoy it. Or if you're feeling really inclined, maybe give my podcast a review on whatever you're listening to it on. I would greatly appreciate it. And last little bit, if you want to reach out a little bit more personally, you can email me at manthehelmpodcast at gmail.com. I'll personally get your email and we can talk about whatever you want. We can talk about life. We can talk about gear. We can talk about music. We can talk about gigging. You know, it's, it's get a fun little platform. Or we can talk about that on any social media platform. My guest today is such an awesome person. I had a great time having a conversation with her, and I know you guys are going to do the same. So let's get to the show. All right, welcome back to Man the Helm podcast. Today, I have a touring musician, a music educator, as well as a social media influencer. Lindy Day, how's it going? Hey, Jake, thanks. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. It's a little hot in Tennessee today, but you know, it's not not too bad. Mm. It's kind of how the summer goes down here, at least. Yep, that June, June weather. Oh, yeah. But um, I know a little bit about you off of social media, but I really don't know a whole lot about you. So before we kind of get to like where we are today, could we maybe start at you know, where we start, you started as a musician and kind of start going from there. Sure. I mean, for what it's worth, we only started emailing yesterday. So I don't know that much about you as well. Um, so, hey, we're, we're in this boat together. Um, right. <laughs> but I started with, you know, I played music in the home growing up. Uh, my parents did the whole, you have to take a music class kind of a thing, started mm-hmm. in school. I think a lot of musicians started this way. Um, so, you know, just did like band, band geek, woo. Uh, in high school right. and stuff like that. Uh, I got into rock music because I'm a touring rock musician right now. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't tour on saxophone. That'd be hella fun. Um, but I got into guitar because my sister got a guitar one year for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting here playing saxophone. I'm like, whatever, 13 years old maybe. Um, I was super jealous, as siblings tend to do. Um, I would take her guitar at night. I'd steal it. I'd bring it into my room. I'd like play nice. the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the next Christmas came around. I was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, guess what? I'm kind of good at guitar. I want a guitar for Christmas. Um, so I actually kind of departed the like band. When I say band, see, when I say band, I'm talking about like band geek music school, right, right. right concert band. Yeah. So then I kind of went into the rock world after that. And uh, here we are. <laughs> nice. Well, it was kind of influencing you at that point in time when you kind of started playing guitar, more bass music. Yeah, man. It, it really was like sibling rivalry at first. Awesome. Okay. Right? But then you, you kind of like find the love of it after a while, and then you start doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. There was just something really fulfilling about it. I almost felt in a way it was like my parents aren't making this decision for me. Um, right. This is something I get to do. You know, because when you're that age, you do start to experiment with like finding yourself, and that's the whole like mm-hmm. dressing a certain style. You're looking for yourself. And I really feel like learning guitar... Uh, played into that whole kind of maturity oh, yeah. for me, you know. For sure, man. I I definitely remember like going up through high school or elementary school even and playing like stringed instruments and like orchestra stuff, mm-hmm. and it felt like it was kind of forced on me, and I didn't really like it. And then once I found guitar as well, I was like, oh, this is like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I can actually express myself finally. So I totally feel you on that. Yeah. Um, so you started playing guitar when you were roughly, what, about 13, 14, right? Yeah, I, I kind of got serious about it when I was a little older, maybe 16. I got really serious about it, but yeah. Okay. What were you, uh, you kind of like starting to be influenced by as far as like rock music and stuff like that? <laughs> no shame. I... Hey, I'm saying it all. Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco. Uh, awesome. Cobra Starship. Yeah, man. Uh, gym Class Heroes, the whole Fueled by Ramen. That, that was right. my jam, still is. Well, I mean, at that point in time, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming we're 
probably relatively close in age. That was about the early 2000s mm-hmm. was the time for all of that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I totally remember that, you know, going to all the warp tours and oh, yeah. having a blast. It was so fun. Man, um, we would have hung out if you were in New York. Oh, my God. I'm sure we would have. <laughs> I guarantee it. Um, the closest I think I ever was up there, I went to Berkeley for just a little bit. <gasps> Wait, for um, real? Yeah. It wasn't like a big, big thing. I went to uh, one of their summer uh, program or mm-hmm. what I can't remember what it was called. And um, I had a really great time there, but I just, I kind of realized that me being an 18 year old kid, I wasn't going to be able to afford to go it's, to a school expensive. like that. I'm actually doing know. Berkeley online classes right now because of the pandemic. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't tour right now. So I've been doing education. Yeah. Love Berkeley. Yeah. Oh my God. It was a good time. Yeah. It was a really good time. Yeah. So you're out of high school. You've been playing guitar for a couple of years. You're getting pretty serious about it. When did you kind of start to try to transition into getting into the quote unquote industry, so to speak? Right. Oh, God. So I went to college (laughs) for a total of 68 days. I was like, this is not for me. I hate it here. I am spending so much money at a place where I'm just feeling depressed and awful. I hate this. God, I was not a good school person. Uh, So I dropped out of college like immediately. Moved to California because I don't know why. I just wanted to. Grew up in New York mm-hmm. my whole life. I was like, let's go really far away. So I did that. And um, I just, I started playing classical guitar in high-end restaurants. Okay. That's what I started doing to kind of make money on the side. It was fun. It was fine. And of course, someone came along one day. He's like, man, you're really good at guitar. I'm like sitting in the corner in my black tie, you know. Right. Playing, doing the thing, being super formal, reading music on a stand, dude. Oh, that was cool. Anyway, some guy comes over. He's like, you're really good at guitar. Do you want to play in my rock band? It was over. <laughs> it was over. Uh, so then I started playing in rock bands and that just, yeah, I was in the California touring music scene for like the next, what, eight, nine years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think a lot of people, they kind of have like a, a view of the end result when they see someone like you but I mean you you were you didn't just move to California and then immediately get something right you you know you were hustling for quite a while to try to get that you know and like you said playing those classical gigs or a a good equivalent would be like playing like cover gigs or something like that when you know you're trying to come up in a scene specifically Mm -hmm. especially like by me you know if you're down in Nashville that's that's kind of what you do you go to Broadway and you play the cover gig stuff hoping I don't know why that somebody's going to come in and, and, and just check you out, which does happen, but mm-hmm. it's just not as prevalent as it used to be. But when you were living there, you I'm assuming you weren't just doing those, right? You were also, were you working and doing some other stuff like that yeah, too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone's like, you got to do those fill-in jobs. I played weddings. I did restaurants. You should also ask me <laughs> about the cashier jobs I had because those oh. absolutely existed. Yeah. Well, it, it's like one of those things you, you have to, when you're, when you're first starting off, especially you have to wear so many hats as far as you want to be a musician, but you also have to support yourself and Mm -hmm. you're not going to make money immediately right when you just move somewhere else and start playing music. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you might make a little bit, but it might, it's not going to be enough to sustain you at at least initially. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. We're on zoom right now. So there's a little bit of latency. Um, yeah, I feel like even entrepreneurial people, you know, you go out, start a business, not in the music industry at all, whatever the business is you're starting, you're not going to make income for five years. That, I mean, every situation is different, but that's kind of like a blanket thought process. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, anything you do that's new and you've, you have to be able to push through those hungry years. God, I hate thinking that way. But yeah, that's, that's what my experience was like. I can only speak from my experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody's a yeah. little different, but yeah, it was, I loved it. I'm still here. Um, you know, yeah, but it's okay. It's all right. I think the common trend though is, especially with a lot of people that I've spoken to, you have such an overwhelming love for the instrument. That's what pushes you through those harder times. Like if you didn't really love what you were doing you wouldn't have pushed through those hard times you would have found something else to sustain you you know i have quit the music industry twice before and Mm -hmm. i came back within six to eight months yeah yeah. so like i mean i was done i was out like oh god i got burned so bad in one band i was playing in it was horrific i left i was like i'm done not doing this anymore no we're Mm -hmm. not doing this anymore lindy like you're still young there's still time to go to a new industry um, actually started getting into s- stocks. 
Uh, oh, the cool. stock market and stuff. Yeah. And um, man, like eight months later, I was back. I was back in, in music. I, was, I mm-hmm. left my stock market job and I went back to music. So that speaks, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of have to do what you have to do. But at the same time, I do understand the burnout factor as well, especially playing in live band scenarios. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's everybody always says to like, oh, you got to put your heart in your back pocket. But when you're so passionate about like a project or a band or something like that and something really bad happens with those people in there, it's kind of hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does almost feel personal mm-hmm. when that, when that sort of thing happens, you know? And I mean, I'm not speaking for you specifically. I'm just saying from my experiences as well. Well, it's like, I feel like I love the music. Again, I'm only speaking from my experience. Mm-hmm. I love the music. It tends to be the interhuman relationships yeah. that have been issues. And I know this is true amongst many, many musicians. Um, yeah, a lot of times when bands break up, it is the interpersonal relationships that are doing it. It is. Right? Um, so, you know, that that's a delicate one. Whew, that's a delicate one. Yeah. And this goes back to, um, I, I actually want to backtrack in the conversation just a little oh, you're bit. Fine. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you said something that I was like putting a thought back there. Um, holding, yeah, keeping inspiration through difficult times or keeping inspiration through times where you're struggling or whatever's going on is going on. I actually, I teach a lot of younger students, right? Mm-hmm. And there's um, a mindset I hear a lot where people are like, yeah, something like, I'm going to practice every day for the next month, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, I'm so younger, fake younger student that I'm making up right now. I'm so glad right. you're doing that. That's awesome. However, keep in mind, if you have a breakup next week, it's it's okay to take a day off. Right. Like, it's okay. Mental health days will support you in your longevity and like your super, super long-term commitment. So sometimes people kind of miss the long-term goal because they're super focused on these like, you know, little like daily goals. So something I talk to my students about a lot is like, it's okay to not feel inspired. And that's a weird thing to hear, but man, we need to be saying that more. Yeah. I, I, I found there are plenty of days, especially for me, I just pick up the guitar and I just, I, if I'm not feeling it, there's no, it's almost like not even a point to try to like really try to push through it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like I'm, I'm just forcing it too much and it's not going to, I'm not going to have any good results out of it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But I could pick it up in another hour or two and just be like, oh, well, here we go. I just needed that little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine how hard it is to try to relay that to, especially a younger student, because that concept of time doesn't really process very well, at least from my opinion. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the people I'm working with right now are uh, kids, like teenagers, who are going mm-hmm. into the music industry. Yeah. So there seems to be <laughs> this overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be too old. Like, when I'm 22, I'm going to be too old. Right. And, like, it's this weird thing when you're 17, you feel like, oh my God, Billie Eilish was signed at 16. Like, I'm a year too late. I have to practice every single day. There's like this, and I had it too, man. Like, I don't know about you, but I remember being in my teens and I was like, it's, it's too late. Like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And it would cause us like crazy panic in me. And that, that is unnecessary, you know? Yeah. I actually just had a conversation with a really good friend of mine last night. He was talking about, we used to play in a, uh, a cover band and he was just like, man, you know, I really want to get something original going. I really want to start a band. And I, I I just, I feel like I'm just too old to do this anymore. And I'm Mm. like, what are you talking about, man? I just, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I was like, do it. Just go do it. Just do it. But just do it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was so confused as to that. I was like, well, if you're not happy playing the cover gig scene, just get a band together. It's mm-hmm. not, you're in the right place for it. Mm-hmm. And, and just get it done. You just do it. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those like, uh, not Hollywood, whatever the equivalent is of Hollywood in the music industry. It's one of those standards ah man it goes so deep the age thing goes so so deep here's the other weird thing ready for this (laughs) um you want a band with like a quote-unquote young face if you're doing the whole like corporate band situation Mm -hmm. you you want someone with a young face but here's the deal usually people who are younger aren't as experienced (laughs) like the older musicians tend to have all the talent and all the experience so they're asking for something you know these expectations are insane because they're not real it's it's really backwards it's it's messed up it oh man, social media doesn't help either. Oh boy. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is coming from yeah. the, the social media side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have these unrealistic expectations that people think are gospel, 
just from what they're fed by algorithms and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but it's not the case. Yeah, that's a tough one. I have a lot of long conversations with my students about that. Um, you know, just a lot of feelings like, oh, I'm not good enough to post any of this to social media. Yeah. We talk about that. You don't have to post anything to social media. Like as a musician, you, you, that you do not have to do that. But sometimes I'll have a student who's kind of like, oh yeah, I want to start building a fan base. I want to see what that's like. I want to start interacting with people. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is so good for your career. Let's do it. I have this one student in particular who is terrified. She's terrified of posting on social media because mm -hmm. all these expectations around her are like, to her eyes, she's not meeting them. Right. Um, Whoa, this is, yeah, this is about to get deep, man. Um, there's two things we talk about when I deal with her. One is the looks, because let's just be yep. real. Like, women and men both deal with looks on social media. And the other thing is stuff like auto-tune, stuff like recording your music, you know, seven different times and picking right. the best take. And, like, this whole, you know, what is what is authenticity is a conversation we have sometimes, too. Um, social media is a, is an area of performance, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to like, as opposed to just practicing in your bedroom, that's, you're practicing for whatever the reason is that you're practicing. Right. Social media has a reason and a specific targeted way you're trying to put whatever it is out that you're trying to put out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's a little bit more of a, I don't want to say a business decision to post a video, but it kind of is at the same time. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, oh, I'm not perfect, the mentality should be, what is your goal for putting this post out? Um, ask that to a 17-year-old. Let me not say 17-year-olds because there's some 17-year-olds who are really good at it. But if you ask that to someone who's new right. on social media, we'll say it that way. Um, sometimes they get lost in like their ego as opposed to what am I trying to gain out of this from a, fr from a career standpoint. Do you exactly. know what I'm saying? I 100% understand. Yeah. My biggest thing with social media, and I think I've seen a lot of people that it works really well for them, is consistency and honesty in their content. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be the best. They don't have to be, you don't have to have this crazy standard that you're trying to meet. You just need to be yourself and be honest with your audience that you're starting to build. Yeah. And, and at that point, you're going to start getting actual fans of you, not just because you can do something crazy awesome on your instrument, you know, mm -hmm. like everybody else can do these days anyway. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're building a fan base that likes you just because you've been consistent and honest with them. That's, that's how, how, yeah. kind of how I've always looked at it. But once again, I'm sure it's very hard to relay that to somebody a lot younger and that's seeing everything else that they're being fed through social media as well. I'm sure it's kind of a hard concept to wrap their head around. Well, it's hard because you're fighting numbers. Like numbers, exactly. right? Numbers are a form of validation. Everybody mm -hmm. wants a video that gets a million views in 48 hours. And that's not a measurement of success. That's just a measurement no. of numbers. It's that simple. Uh, there's really shit videos out there that have, you know, over a million views. Um, it doesn't mean anything. It just means the algorithm has picked it up and decided to push right. it to more people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting. Sometimes when I make my posts, there's certain posts where I'm like this. OK, this post is going to get a lot of views. Great. Put it out there. Sometimes I'll make other posts. I'm like, I know this isn't going to get a lot of views, but I know there are certain fans in my fan base who are oh, going to yeah. love. Dude, I do this spin move. Oh, God, I love this spin move. So I pick up the guitar. Sometimes I'll like, spin the guitar around. I spin off I love the screen. It. It, I, yeah. Everybody loves a good spin move. I do the spin move, never gets a lot of views, but there's like nine people in my fan base who love the spin move and like, I do it for them. Is that a failure? That video is not gonna get a million views? No. Do you know what I mean? The oh, reason I you absolutely. put stuff out, like you should be thoughtful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Don't chase numbers. Yeah, the the numbers game, It. it I, I've had a handful of videos that, that have done really, really, really well. Oh, good. The problem is, doesn't really mean anything hmm. because it, it, it moved the meter like a percent, you know, like I didn't get like what I, what I always try to get at. It's like, if you have a viral video, that's awesome. That's great. P more people are being exposed to you. Mm -hmm. Those people that follow, subscribe or do whatever with you. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, what percentage of those people are actually going to engage with your content? Mm -hmm. It's probably a pretty, small amount of people that just clicked a like on a viral video. Mm -hmm. You know, they just saw it, thought it was funny or 
whatever and hit the like button or hit the subscribe button just on a whim. Yeah, but you that know? goes back to the whole consistency and being true to the person true. you are and loving the content that you put out. Cause like, ugh, God, I hesitate to say this, but the concept is you do one viral video, sometimes in the future maybe you'll get a second viral video. Because you kind of repeat the same thing, mm -hmm. either intentionally or by accident. And that's not always true either, let's be honest. Like, the world of social media really is a, it's an easy place to get lost. Yeah. I think is what it is. Like, for me personally, I really, okay. In the pandemic, uh, I stopped touring. A lot of my bands dissolved. That's fine. A lot of our bands dissolved. So I got on social yeah. media full time, which I've never done before. I'm like, I'm like an influencer. That's weird to say. Um, anyways, it's been interesting. Um, man, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I had a thought and it kind of left me because I'm getting so excited right now. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's what a lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of people had to pivot like that mm -hmm. of course during the pandemic i mm -hmm. mean if you're not if you don't have gigs what are you going to do right well i can put my cell phone video up on a little stand and make mm -hmm. some silly videos for tiktok and next thing you know you're you do that consistently for a couple of years and now you've got some crazy fan base for sure out of nowhere like, great i got my thought back because i'm just i'm having oh, a day, man i didn't i did not finish drinking my coffee yet Oh, okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's all you good. Can, you no, but continue here's to up. drink your coffee. Right? I mean, hey, it's funny. I'm actually like scared to drink stuff on a podcast because I'm like, you can hear all the weird mouth sounds. <laughs> oh, dude, I can edit all that out. We're good. Oh, we're good. Ooh, fun. Anyways, check Sorry. this out. No, it's good. Check this out. Um, So during the pandemic, I got on social media full time. Great. Awesome. I learned something about myself, though. I need multiple outlets to satisfy my creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, touring, I didn't realize how many outlets that fills with touring. You've got band practice, you've got audience building, you've got, uh, promoting, you've got writing new songs, you've got recording. Being in a live band is so many hats. When you're just on social media, it's whittled down just a little bit. So, you know, I'm just saying like having multiple outlets has been awesome, awesome for my mental health. And it took me kind of like maybe 12 months to figure that out. Because in the pandemic, I just went on social media. That was all I did, 100%. That was it. That was brutal yeah. for my like mental state. I have mm -hmm. to have other outlets, which is just a me thing. It's good to know about yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people found a lot of really interesting you know, stuff out of their soul searching during the past two years, You know, mm -hmm. stuff that they didn't realize about themselves, which is a good and bad thing. Because <laughs> if, if you find out something really bad about yourself, you kind of got to confront that and make sure you're good with it. You know what I mean? But I think a lot more good has come out than bad from it. I really do with a lot of, especially musicians, you know, they've, they've kind of learned to, like you said, taking the live performance aspect, the touring artist and pivoting over to social media where you have a significant, a more amount of reach mm -hmm. to get a fan base. And when they do start playing and touring again, they're going to have so many more fans that are going to come see them. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome when they finally do get to go back out. Yeah, I think a lot of musicians have added social media to their skill sets. Because yeah. let's be honest, like a lot of us are good at what we do on stage. You know, we're good musicians. Mm -hmm. That's why we tour and stuff. Um, a lot of people have learned how to be on social media. So it's been this additional like, hey, to your crash course, gain some right. social media skills in the meantime. Like, thanks, life. Awesome. Right. Um, have, you, have you noticed... <laughs> During the pandemic, have you noticed that certain musicians have dropped out of the industry and it only seems like the serious musicians are left? I would 100% agree with you. I, I really would. Um, I, I don't know if I would say serious. I would just say the people that are able to adapt. Yes, yeah, serious might not be the right word. Um, but but I, I understand okay. what you're saying. Okay. But yeah, um, I, I think the world we live in it's it's kind of like when streaming happened mm. and all the people were like, oh, you got to get rid of this. You got to buy our CDs still. You're, it's like, OK, well, the genie is already out of the bottle. The MP3 exists. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. You're, you're going to have to adjust as an artist to fit your model to, to make MP3s work for you now. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing with social media and with a pandemic getting shut down. Well, now I have to immediately shift. And figure out, okay, I still want to do this. How am I going to do this? Well, it's too easy with Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You know, you just put out content. It might not be something that you're comfortable with, but 
at least from my experience watching you, you've been really successful in the last two years on social media. I, I, I really think you have. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a new skill set. Um, it's, it's interesting because people who are on stage all the time, we know how to carry attention. We know how to, mm -hmm. you know, deal with a wide audience. Getting on camera is not that difficult. I get the question all the time. People are like, oh, are you an actress? You know, are you on film? I'm like, not at all. Never done this before, but I am on stage a lot. Right. Yeah. So like musicians are, we're good at social media. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Most most people that that have that have played live a lot usually have no problem being on camera. Totally. You know, you you've been you've been put in a very uncomfortable position multiple times. You know, because mm -hmm. when you're on stage, it's like you're the focal point is all on you. Mm-hmm. And every little mistake, every little trip that you do, every what anything that happens, you know, it's it's all live in the moment, and you have to deal with it. Yeah. So you being in front of a camera where you can do multiple takes. You can readjust things if you need to. You can make it look as aesthetically pleasing as you'd like. That's almost easier, I would think. You know, mm -hmm. I, I would much rather have a camera in my face than have a couple hundred people in front of me while I'm trying to play a gig. Interesting. Oh, why? Well, what I mean is from the stress level factor, because okay. I always get that like butterfly in my Makes stomach sense. every time before you play. Um, but that immediately goes away right when you hit that first little bit of the song and you're yeah. good. Yeah, that all exists before the show. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like being on stage makes you able to learn how to perform under pressure. True. Um, and it, it's almost like that will n never go away, at least for me. I feel like anytime I play a show, I'm always going to have nervousness. I'm always going to have nerves. It'll always be there. I'm just better at performing under pressure the more I do it. The pressure never leaves. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, would, I would agree for sure. Um, I, I think it... The, the only way to really be, at least in my opinion, the only way to really hone your skill as a musician is to play live and be vulnerable in front of people. Mm -hmm. Because that's, yeah. that's kind of really where the rubber meets the road is your practice, all the time and effort you've put towards that instrument finally comes to a head. Mm -hmm. Because now you have to perform live in front of people. If you make mistakes, you make mistakes. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing, but... I, I don't know. I I almost have a little bit of anxiety every time before I play live, but then like right when I get going, it's fine. Like it just completely goes away. I relate you to know? that one thousand percent. Yeah. And there's not a lot of jobs where you have to perform in front of people. I mean, performing arts. Come on. That's that's really yeah. what happens the most. Um, a lot of people do have their expertise. They really do. Um, people are, you know, just as talented as musicians in whatever their field is. Doing your thing in front of large groups of people is like, woo! Right. Public speaking is terrifying for a lot of people, man. <laughs> you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I kind of, I kind of lucked out. I think my last job, I was, um, I was teaching, um, and I had to anywhere from 200 to the lowest number, I think, was about 30 people. So I have no problem being in front of people. You That's know what awesome. I mean? So. Okay. Uh, for, for me specifically, it's not a big deal, but I totally get the public speaking thing as to why people freak out. Mm -hmm. You're outside of your bubble now and, and everybody's just watching you. You know, it's really I 100 funny. Get it. I, I love playing guitar. Like guitar is my thing. That's what I do. I've mm. never actually really studied vocals. I do backup vocals. No big deal. Um, if I have to take a microphone and be a lead person, I get a level of nervousness that's so insane. It's yeah, that is not my role. I feel so comfortable behind a guitar, though. It's interesting. I've always, you know, thought about that. There's different roles you play on stage in front of the audience. Um, just different band members provide different things. It's a whole machine. Yeah, I, I think I had a buddy of mine talk about, like, you, you have a barrier between you and the audience when you have a guitar. That and you true. feel safe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if, if you're just singing it's literally a tiny little microphone stand between you and the, and, and the crowd, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you, that's why I think a lot of lead singers have that charismatic attitude. Like they, they want to be, you know, trotting around stage and having a great time, mm -hmm. you know, and th there's different people that I think that's more why guitar players have fun with their instrument. Cause that's what they're focused on. And it's right in front of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when they're playing live, at, at least from my perspective of it. Well, the instrument's a physical thing, too. It's it's outside of your body. Who knew? Right. You know, you can take it. You can do cute antics with it. You can, like, yeah, you can spin it. You can do a good old spin move. Um, right. You know, singers can't 
do that. Their yeah. whole body is their instrument. Cause it's, right, it's not just the vocal cords. It's the whole apparatus, diaphragm, muscle. Like, everything's engaged when you're singing. Their whole body mm-hmm. is the thing that's being presented as the guitar. A guitar is something you can take off and put away. So it's right. different mindset even though you're both musicians you're both practicing scales and stuff like that little bit of a different presentation not a different mindset different presentation mm-hmm. and that does come into play on the different attitudes on the stage right it definitely does mm-hmm. okay so i kind of wanted to talk about like you starting out on social media where did you really start like ex- like platform specific maybe there's kind of two answers to this do you mean during covid or before covid um well i guess before covid but then we i really want to kind of get to where you had to you had to pivot to only social media but yeah we can start pre-covid is fine okay sure i mean like most musicians i just did some guitar solos and posted them on instagram was my jam um and that wasn't too serious i did maybe about one post a week i post cat pictures it wasn't the most serious thing in the world um but actually Interesting fun fact, when I lived in California, a couple bands found my Instagram. They're like, hey, we need a female guitarist. Can you come? I actually got jobs from that. Oh, yeah. From just posting videos. So that was kind of cool. Um, wasn't ever that serious. Just kind of, you know, it was always less than like what. Uh, it, it wasn't that big a deal. Then COVID hit and I was like, oh, I don't have any bands. They're like m- my whole future just seemed to shut down right. uh, really fast, which that's a f- that's a feeling. Um, so then I got really serious about getting on social media. I decided to teach 60-second lessons on yep. TikTok. Um, and that is gold. I highly recommend any musician out there who's listening to this, if you want to get on social media, if you like teaching, if you're good at it, do that. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so the first video I posted on TikTok, my cousin actually was helping me. My cousin's a professional travel blogger. Okay. So yeah, she's she's really cool. You should check her out. Uh, Clumsy Girl Travels is her handle on any social media platform. Awesome. I'll have that link down below, too, um, so if anybody wants to check oh, it out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we were visiting. She's talking to me all about social media. It's the pandemic. She's like, yeah, I'm struggling, too. I can't travel right now. So, you know, we kind of had this shared, like, frustration. Our industries were shut down. She's like, you know, you've always talked about teaching on social media, Lindy. You should just do it. You should just do it. I was like, Whatever. So we're hanging out one day. It's like after dinner. Um, her and I are just lounging in our jammies. I'm like, Marika, give me give me the camera. Like, come over here. So she brings me the camera in my pajamas with like, I didn't do makeup, nothing. I just grabbed a guitar. I was like, whatever, here we go. I'm going to do my first 60 second lesson. And I filmed it right then. And I posted it to TikTok. I forgot about it. Um, I came back the next day. It had 80,000 views. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, okay, here's, this is what we're going to do, Lindy. Um, so it was something I'd always talked about, and when I went to go do it, I was really surprised at how well it did when I finally sat down and did it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, just like doing it, just starting. Mm-hmm. Like quit, you know, mm-hmm. try not to make any excuses about it, you know, just just start, you know. And mm-hmm. once once you do start, and you kind of, like you said, you, you'll, you'll start to get that validation of numbers, which you shouldn't focus on too much, but you'll, you will start to see that validation come in of why you're posting on that platform or whatever. And TikTok's mm-hmm. really interesting. I feel like TikTok is how Instagram used to be like five, six years ago, where, where Instagram mm-hmm. was like, it was super easy to blow up. And now it's kind of not the same. But TikTok is super easy to get, like, huge really quick, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, TikTok is, the, obviously, they have a different yeah. algorithm. Every, you know, every platform does. Um, you know, would you be open if I actually gave you the link to this first 60-second video that I filmed where, again, I'm just in my pajamas, no makeup, shit lighting. Can I give you the link? Can you post it below? So, like, if anyone Absolutely. wants to read these show notes, Absolutely. they can look at it. That will be down um, below. I would love to do that just to kind of point out the fact that like you don't okay I feel like when people are watching TikTok they want to hang out with you in your living room that's what TikTok feels like Instagram feels very curated very Mm -hmm. proper very like professional very you know did all the makeup everything's perfect and I feel like that's the charm of TikTok that's why I like it you're just you're like come hang out my living room let's talk about music you know yeah I I will say though um you, you made a good point about different algorithms and different platforms. If you are going to be on multiple platforms, which I would always recommend for anybody doing mm-hmm. it, you have to 
make your content fit that algorithm. Like you just said, for instance, like you can't just, you can't do a video on TikTok and then have the TikTok watermark on a video on Instagram. It's not going to do well. It's going to see that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like, nope, nobody gets to see this because it wasn't made on our platform or it wasn't made mm -hmm. for our platform. You know what I mean? Which by the way, as a content creator is the stupidest thing you could ever do. Yeah. Um, it's, it really feels like Mac versus windows. Do you remember yep. that whole thing back in like nineties, two thousands, they would not be mm -hmm. compatible with each other. It's like, Oh, it's that same feeling of I'm a content creator. I've got stuff to do. I, I have a job. Like I teach. That's my job. I'm also on social media. That's mm -hmm. my other job. Like I'm trying to get my band back together. I got stuff I'm doing. I don't want to sit here and film four different videos for four different right. platforms. So, you know, just in the realm of things, that's insane. That's crazy. I have some workarounds and oh my gosh, I would love to share workarounds with other musicians. Listen, <laughs> if anyone is dealing with this too, you can always message me. Um, on TikTok, I'm Lessons with Lindy. On Instagram, I'm Lessons with Lindy Official. I love helping other musicians get on social media. Like I, I could get super technical with this conversation right we, now. How to post to multiple We can go wherever you want to go. Wisely. Should it's we do up to it? You. Here we go. Um, I use Adobe Premiere. Mm -hmm to edit my videos and I actually make my videos um, there. I Like there's no watermarks because I make right. them all behind the scenes, right? And then I post them on different platforms and I will do exactly what you're talking about. I will change, just tweak certain videos for certain mm -hmm. platforms. Um, TikTok loves it when you say, uh, when you say, okay, here's an intro I might do. In 60 seconds, I'm gonna teach you how to solo in Dorian right. mode. TikTok loves that. That's the first five seconds. People can decide right then if they're going to keep watching the video or keep scrolling. Instagram's a little different. I feel like with Instagram, you have to have a lot of like visuals and a lot of flashy kind of interesting right. things in the beginning. So for Instagram, I'll change the intro sometimes. The lesson will be exactly the yeah. same. But that's just something I'll do. I'll go into Adobe Premiere. I'll just change the first five seconds depending on which platform I'm going with. And then I don't have to do two completely separate videos. I film the lesson once. I film the intro slightly differently. Saves me time. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big thing that people don't understand. It's like, especially to like everything you can pretty much do with your cell phone now. But mm -hmm. like you said, having an external, an external editing little system, whether whatever you use, whether it's something as simple as iMovie, it doesn't really matter. But you mm -hmm. have something that you can edit specific content to improve your workflow to go across multiple platforms. And like you said, how easy is it to make a five second tweak? It, it doesn't mm -hmm. take you too long. It definitely beats having to redo another video for Instagram or insert X platform. You know what I mean? Yep. You guys can't see it, but I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot because we are, this is okay. A lot of content creators don't do this full time. A lot of us are students. A lot of us have families. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have our day jobs. A lot of us, we're doing whatever it is that we're doing. It's really hard to be a full-time social media person. Even the people who are full-time social media don't do what you just yeah. said. They batch create. They have these ways. They whittle things down. Um, God, workflow is so important. Workflow is so important. You know, as creative people, and I say this to my students all the time, you have to defend your creativity. That is like the number one ultimate goal. That's what you need to do. Social media has a tendency of sucking that right, right. out of you. So if you're on social media and it's fun for like, I don't know, a month for some people, if you start noticing that your creativity's taking a hit, you're like, oh, I'm not writing as many songs because I'm on social, I'm like filming too much for social media. It's like, whoa, this is not why we're yeah. here. Always defend your creativity, number one. 100%. I, I think people mm -hmm. get lost in that. Um, they, they start to get a little bit of traction on a specific social media platform. And then that becomes the goal. It's like, well, no, mm -hmm. the goal should be you're using social media to funnel everything to something that you're extremely passionate about, like songwriting or your new single or whatever. You know, it, mm -hmm. it you're, you're using that as a means to get people what to get people to where you really want them to be. You're making them last 100%. with the funny meme or the funny guitar flips or what. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. but you're funneling them to something. For instance, for you, I would assume mostly that's lessons, right? You're, you're trying to teach and show people, right? I'm sure there's other avenues, yeah. but, but yeah. Um, if you go to my link tree, oh gosh, it's not up right now. Well, never <laughs> mind. Yeah, but I do, there are lessons available. Um, the other thing I'm trying to do is get, I want, I want my, I want a band back together. 
that's a bit longer. I don't know that I'll find a band on social media, but I can still advertise who I am, what right. I do. Here's my style. Here's what I look like. Here's my confidence. So it's it's a little bit of a business card as well as cultivating new students. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a third thing folded in here, and I had to learn this. I didn't know this till I got on social media and started teaching, but I love love being a female teacher. I don't talk about it. I don't say anything. I just am. I just present that Mm -hmm. way. Like I don't have a choice. Um, And there's something really beautiful about being empowered and not saying you're empowered. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm a female guitar teacher. I get a lot of female, like younger people on social media being like, oh my gosh, I love learning from you because you're like Mm -hmm. me. Of course I support men too. Support, you know, any, any gender identity as well. But I'm just saying, man, I didn't know this till I got on social media. I love being a female guitar teacher. Yeah. It's great. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've really enjoyed, I think when I found out about you, I believe it was on TikTok. I'm almost positive it was on TikTok. And mm-hmm. um, everything from your lesson videos to the videos you do for duets to just you being silly, it's all like enjoyable content. But then, like I said, it your your TikTok took me to your Instagram. And then I saw you on YouTube and then I saw you had music available. I listened to it on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. Oh. And I was like, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like you, 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 you caught me with the funny guitar flip or, or whatever, you know, and then, you know, Spin that's move. what I'm saying. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. You, you, you branched out to everywhere else when I saw you. And, you know, mm-hmm. if, if anybody doesn't have a link tree and you're trying to do social media, you need to do that immediately, by the way, because that's how I found mm-hmm. everything for you. I just hit a little button. And it's like, oh, I have all this stuff now, you know, everywhere I yeah. can go. Yeah. And it's hard I because musicians, <laughs> I love musicians. I love my people, but I'm going to say it. We, we tend to not have a business savvy yeah. head. I said it. That's not true for everybody, obviously, but in general, that's the trend. Um, so it can be really hard to ask a musician, like, musician, sit down. Okay, what's your business plan? Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked a musician that? <laughs> Look at the pain in their eyes. <laughs> They're like, what? I just want to play. Um, so it can be hard sometimes to think about what is my business funnel and I'm not immune to this I struggle with this a lot too um man I want a manager (laughs) I'm not at that level yet but I would I would love to have one but it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier when you were you know just moving to California even now you still have to wear many hats you know, mm-hmm. you have to manage yourself. You have to put out content. You, ha- you still have to be creative. You still have to do a multitude of other things, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, you're not at that level yet. So that is what is required of you to do right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's awesome to have that discipline. But I don't think that discipline just happens. I think you kind of have to work at it consistently. Yeah. Um, it's it, yeah, I struggle. It's interesting you bring this up. I, I'm struggling with this one right now. Um, Okay, fun backstory. Um, I have been doing a lot of Berkeley classes mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and I actually, I'm dying to go back to school. This is like, the pandemic has really kicked something up in me. I want to get more education. Right. I'm actually training right now to be audition ready for colleges. Nice. Um, Berkeley's not the only college I want to go back to. 2023, I'm going to do auditions, go back to school. I don't know which school yet, but I'm doing it. Anyways. It's interesting because I'm now on the schedule where I'm like, okay, wake up, make your bed, drink your coffee. You're going to practice whatever classical guitar for an hour. Then you're going to practice skills for 20 minutes. It's super regimented right now. I don't like it. Well. <laughs> but I, I have to do it because I want what comes out. Yeah. That, you, you know, you're, you're in, the end is going to justify the means is pretty much you're, 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 you're right. getting prepared and you're, you're, you're struggling in the initial, but the end goal is going to be worth it. Yeah, and I think what it's doing is it's also like, hey, Lindy, you don't have to have inspiration all the mm-hmm. time. Like, I can wake up and be groggy and be like, uh, mornings and still practice. Right. I'm not feeling inspired, but it's like, dude, butt in chair, do the thing, then go about mm-hmm. your day. You know what I mean? It's not the most inspiring, but not everything has to be the most inspiring. Yeah, I, I think it 100% depends on what you're sitting down to accomplish. Like, if you're sitting down to accomplish, like like you said, a regimented little schedule, you don't necessarily have to be like songwriting inspired. You just have to sit down and get through the lesson real quick, you know, just because mm-hmm. you're trying to keep on that schedule. Do you find that songwriting and practicing a technical skill are two completely different arenas? I always try to find the balance in everything. Okay. Um, whenever I'm trying to 
pick up on a technical skill, I usually don't like find lessons. I find players that I like listening to that utilize that technical mm. skill and try mm -hmm. to learn their version of that technical skill. Cause everybody it's like, okay, so if I play a legato sort of thing, you can probably do the same thing, but it's not going to sound exactly. I'm going to pick it a little bit differently. My finger, I'm going to hit a little bit harder on some of the different runs. So that's what I always try to do. Not to say that I've never sat down for lessons. I just, mm -hmm. I feel like listening to something that inspires me, like a music, a musical piece that inspires me is a lot more productive for me to do that sort mm -hmm. of thing. But I also understand the importance of understanding the technical and the theory side of things for songwriting. Because mm -hmm. I now I have a roadmap of where I can go. And if I want to break the rules now, I know how to break the rules. I love the way you said yeah. that. Yeah. If I choose to break the rules, I have that choice available to me. Well, I... That was... Yeah. No, well I've said, done well a few said. lessons with kids. Um, not, mm -hmm. not super young. Mostly in their uh, mid-teens. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always funny when I'm, I'm walking them through something like the major scale. And talking about like utilizing the major scale for songwriting. And it's like... Oh, so what you're saying is I can only use these seven chords in this major scale for songwriting. I'm like, no, dude, like we're not get that out of your head right now. Get that mm -hmm. out of your head. This is just mm -hmm. this is just the bare skeleton that we can utilize. Mm -hmm. But now we can do all this other awesome, crazy stuff outside of it. Once we understand the roadmap, that's that's all yeah. I ever try to do. Oh, my God, the roadmap. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I say to people, too, is um. There's two ways I explain music theory. Music theory describes what's going on mm -hmm. in a song, right? You can use it to communicate with another musician. Do the deceptive cadence. Right. That means something, right? So that's one element. It describes music. Sorry, it describes music. The second element is music theory is an organizational system. That's it. It's that simple. You know, you For don't sure. have to put like the spoons away in the same drawer every time if you don't yep. want to. We do that because it's easy. Next time you go grab a spoon, you know right mm -hmm. where it is. It's just an organizational system. You don't have to, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, I think there's a element somewhere. I don't know where this comes from. It's like, okay, if we're playing a diatonic scale, you can only use these eight right. notes in the scale. And people hear the words, you can only use this. And whenever you tell a musician they can't do something, guess yep. what? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's the way we talk about music theory that I think gives people that weird, like, weird vibe about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Especially guitar players have a big issue with it for some reason. It's like you either have people, it's like it's so, like, lying in the sand. Either it's like you have to have it and you're not going to be good unless you have it or you don't need it at all because it's all about feel, man. You know, it's all about the, and it's like, why can't we just kind of meld these two ideas together? Because that makes the most sense to me. I love the way you're talking about this. Meld them together. 100%. You know what I say to students all the time? I get some students who are like, yeah, I can play. Don't know any notes on the fretboard. I don't know any chord names or whatever. I'm like, yo, chill out. You're fine. You know more than right. you think. I love saying that to people because it's true. Oh, my God, you've been listening to music your whole life. You know more about music than you think. You just don't know the names yeah. of stuff. You, you, know, you just dominant seven chord versus major seven chord. You know, those sounds you've heard them before. Let me show you how the math works. Exactly. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's the thing that like really upsets, not upsets me. Just like it, it frustrates me a little bit with, with some people that I, I hear these awesome people and they're doing awesome things. They just don't know mm -hmm. how to say it. That's, that's mm. all it is. They don't know how to relay that to another musician. Because right. there's been plenty of situations where I'm playing with another guitar player and I'm just like, oh, dude, that was really cool. And I, I start doing some some stuff that sounds like gibberish to him. And he's just looking at me. He gives mm -hmm. me like the deer in the headlights look. And I'm like, OK, I need to draw it back for a second because he has no clue mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. But it's OK. Right. But I, I have always tried to, like I said earlier, try to find a balance between the two worlds. Because mm -hmm. like you said, the guitar is a part of you if you've been playing it long enough. And it's a very expressive instrument. So the feeling thing is real. Mm -hmm. And no two players are going to play the same. And you can get so much emotion out of that instrument, at least for me. But it's also super important when you're not having that emotional experience with that instrument to understand that instrument a little deeper if you're going to continue to be doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I want people to learn music theory. I tend to notice this pattern too in my students. Um, I will wait for the student to ask the question. Mm -hmm. I will wait for the student to be like, usually the question is, um, why does the pentatonic scale work over this chord? That's usually where it starts. And it's like, I am so glad you asked that, come with me. Because if you try to throw all this jargon at someone who's not ready to absorb yeah. it, like, come on, man, you're just casting pearls before swine. Like, you gotta wait till people mm -hmm. are ready. And take that mentality outside of lessons and apply that to people you're jamming with. Just, it's okay if someone doesn't know notes of the right. fretboard. That's like, it's it's okay. I get that you're on a journey. I get that you're doing what you're doing. Like, you have something you can add to my music. I know you do. Everyone mm -hmm. does. I want to find yeah. out what that is. Um, it helps if we all know the same language. It helps if we've all established, you know, what a whatever minor C minor chord right. is. Um, I'm going to just say play a C minor. You know the notes in that. The bass player knows what to do. But, hey, if you don't know that, that's okay, too. You know, yeah, I'm a teacher, man. I'm a teacher. <laughs> well, it's all good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... I think this is where like you get some people and this is not everybody. I've only experienced it a handful of times. They almost think of you as having like an arrogant mindset when it comes to that sort of thing. It's like, Oh, well you didn't play blah, 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 blah over this. It's like, dude, that's not what I'm telling you, man. I'm just trying to have a conversation with you, but, but we're just not on the same page. That's, that's all it is. You know, I'm not trying to say that I, I'm all high and mighty up here, you know, over, you know, just cause I know names of stuff. And I know how to express oh, it. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I'm part of a community on Reddit. Oh, God. Called Guitar Circle Jerk. Oh, oh that's fun. <laughs> uh, if you've never checked it out, you have to be in a memeing mood to go oh, look okay. at that community. They are hilarious. Um, they're hilarious, but they're kind of salty, too. But they talk about the exact thing you're talking about. Um, there is a way to talk about music theory and to present your knowledge that's a little, like too much right uh calling the scale the aeolian scale mm. like like all right come on man <laughs> you know so like whatever i understand what you mean when you say aeolian but like we all have a lingo that we use yeah you know it's kind of like the street lingo like we're gonna say minor scale right so s saying i'm part of the guitar community let me tell you about the minor scale is like oh you you know you're using the language that we all use as opposed to like the super you know college high education people who might say different names of the scale mm -hmm. do you know what i mean you're kind of establishing which group you're in by using these right words. yeah i definitely so, uh, it's more you're telling me more about yourself than than about me yeah uh i know the people you're talking about yeah, um it, but it's okay yeah you know, it's okay. I, I i've always tried to explain that to people too it's like and, and you can usually gauge after like a jam session or if you're having a conversation with somebody on kind of what their vocabulary is and the way, and like you mm -hmm. said, I used to teach and I used to instruct. So I kind of know how to read the room, so to speak. If I see mm -hmm. people with deer in headlights, I'm like, okay, they're not getting this. I need to try to pivot and take this another direction. So, mm -hmm. so it will help them understand that. You know what I mean? And I'm What's not coming. the coolest thing? Yeah. Sorry, no, ahead. no, you're fine. And I'm not coming, coming at them from a place of like, I know more than you. It's just like, no, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to explain what I'm trying to say to you in a, in a way right. that you will absorb it better. That's it. Right. The coolest thing I've learned about being a teacher, and I carry this with me everywhere, um, there's four different learning styles. Mm -hmm. Do you know about this? I, I've heard, I, I kind of came from a different sort of learning or teaching background, but I, I'm sure I know what All you're good. talking about. All good. Yeah. The, let me see if I can name them. Oh gosh. There's a auditory, there is analytical, there's kinesthetic, which it means you do the repetitive yep. motion over and over again. Right. And the last one is something that I'm blanking out on, but it's probably really simple. I'll come back to it in a oh, second. I'll Google it. Um, so there's four different learning styles, which actually means when you're teaching a concept to a student, if you explain something to them the analytical way, mm -hmm. here's a scale, uh, first degree, second degree, third degree is a major third, right? That's super analytical. If they're not getting it, I can actually switch and I can present the major scale in a visual way. Yeah. And then I can sit down and draw it. And then sometimes my visual people are like, oh, cool. The auditory people, they just need to play it a whole yeah. bunch, right? So the interesting thing is you can tell if someone's kind of being like an egotistical asshole um, because it's more about them. But I feel like if you're sharing information, especially from a teacher standpoint, ha knowing one concept four different ways, yeah. like, man, is that beautiful. And then you can present the way, sorry, you can present the information in the way that this person easily absorbs mm -hmm. it 
And then you're like working together as a team. Yeah. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing once you get that. But just that took me a while to understand. People absorb information differently. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially I, I can't imagine the challenge with younger students that I'm sure there's a, a certain point where um, it's kind of it's kind of difficult to pinpoint that, especially in a younger student, you know, because you, you might not really be sure how they learn exactly because they're still developing that ability as well. You know, I love working with younger students, dude. I've done like camps. I've been like the camp counselor and mm. stuff. I love that stuff. I have a big family. I'm one of the oldest of like five. Oh, Sorry, nice. I'm second oldest. So I, kids, man, I don't have any kids, but yeah. Anyways, working with younger kids is amazing. My goal there, let's say the youngest I'll go is six. Mm-hmm. I had one six-year-old amazing kid. I will not go any younger than him. Um, let me think. So right now I've got like an eight-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. And she, my goal for her is I want her to have a positive association with the instrument. Right. She is learning chords. She knows how to play scales. They are boring. She hates it. Hates scale work. Get it, kid. I get that kid. Oh, my God. So we hang out in the lessons. We try to build this like good rapport. I want her to have a good time every time she picks up the guitar. Right. That's my goal. Because she's not quite ready to do the technical stuff. So like we make up songs and they're cute and they're yeah. adorable. And she puts the lyrics to them. And I'm like writing her songs down. And I'm like giving them to her each week. I'm like, okay, learn your song. And she loves it. So when her brain is a little more able, that positive association will already be there. Right. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah. And it's a good thing. Teaching, yeah. Teaching is so much about other people. You know, it's not not about you. And that's hard. It's hard. I mean, have you ever taken a concept you know about music really well and tried explaining it four different ways? Like, that's a good exercise. I mean, any musician listening to this, like, think about that. Think about a chord progression. and How would you describe it to someone four different ways? Right. Wow. Yeah, that would be... That's actually a good idea, maybe to... I might start doing that actually, just to kind of exercise the brain out a little bit. That that's a cool idea. If you want, I can show you my. Um, I have so many graphics and teaching tools. Let me give you my lesson on like. I'll just email it to you. Um, I got four different ways I display chords. Okay. Awesome. And you can like, yeah, check out how it goes. Um, man, maybe I'll do a TikTok lesson on this. This is kind of cool. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. uh, before we wrap this up, um, I know we talked about kind of plans for the future, but what are your plans for maybe let's say the next year or two? So next year or two, I am really motivated to go back to school and mm-hmm. finish my degree. Like I told you right. earlier, I dropped out. Bye. Um, I would love to get a music degree. I also want to go back to college to meet people who are band ready. Right. Um, I really want to do, when I say a band, I mean like a really high-end professional band. Mm-hmm. I want to do it. Um, I've been struggling to find people during the pandemic it's a people thing. Anyways, I'm rambling. No, you're fine. Um, yeah, so I, I want to go back to college. Um, I want to get... Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. Um, I will be on social media. I will continue to be teaching. I love doing it. I am also teaching privately right now. Um, sometimes on the side, I write music for film, games, and TV. I've got a studio I work with that does that. Nice. So really just kind of like staying on the path, right. you know? Well, well, where can everybody find you at? So I'm on TikTok, Lessons with Lindy. I'm on Instagram, Lessons with Lindy Official. I'm on YouTube, Lessons with Lindy. Uh, you can also email me if anything I've said is interesting. If you are interested in becoming a teacher on social media, hit me up. It's Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, at LindyDay.com, L-I-N-D-Y-D-A-Y.com. And I can guarantee you guys that she will respond back because she responded back to me when it came to this podcast. Yeah, Less than 24 hours. Less. I just met you yesterday. It's been awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, cool. uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up, do we have any like final thoughts for young aspiring musicians? Maybe some words of wisdom or some um, awesome like inspirational stuff to keep them on the path, like you are on the words? path. Words, gosh, words of wisdom for younger people. Okay, I'm gonna imagine specifically one of my students right now, okay. and I'm gonna say something kind of to her, but I'm also saying it to all y'all too. I said all y'all. I'm from New York. We don't say that here. We say that um, down here, though. It's all good. That There you go. <laughs> so what am I going to say to my girl? Give me a second. Um, all right. You are exactly where you need to be. Sometimes you feel pressure, but just know you have time to learn. You will do all the things you want to accomplish. It, man, I hate to get super corny, but like, just believe in yourself. 
man, that's so corny, but I'm going to leave it there. For real, you're exactly where you need to be. You know exactly the right amount that you need to know. You will learn as you go. You know, and that is awesome little bit for not just younger people, but for everybody, really. That, that's, that, that's an awesome little thing. And, and with that, you know, I, we're going to end on a super positive note with that. So I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and we will see you all next week on Man the Helm Podcast. Man the Helm, thank you so much.